Behind every good story is an interesting person. This is Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas. Sean Braley and Chris Ashwell are the co-founders of Cincy Stories, a project that was started in 2015 to connect communities right here in Cincinnati. It started out as a one-night thing that was free in the basement of Motor Bar and OTR, and now it has spread throughout the city. And their success has not gone unnoticed. They recently won the Communicating for a Change Award at the Cincinnati Neighborhood Summit in March of this year. So what's their story? We're about to find out. Sean Braley and Chris Ashwell are this week's Persons of Interest. So what exactly is Cincy Stories? Yeah, Cincy Stories is a nonprofit storytelling organization. So we exist to build community through story. Uh, what we mean by nonprofit storytelling organization is that uh, we are a 501c3, but we also we use our uh, storytelling chops to build community. We we use the tools of storytelling to connect people across the city through different avenues. Why did you feel the need for something like this? So. We kind of have an equation that we came up with, and that equation is communities based off relationships, and relationships are based off of stories. Uh, there's never been a human relationship formed in the history of human relationships that wasn't formed over stories. Uh, it's our it's our ex- human experiences in life that let us know who we really are. It helps us get past those kind of how's the weather conversations, and and it lets us know you know what we're kind of made of. And so the idea when you talk about building community. You mean building a community within Walnut Hills, or do you mean building a community where Walnut Hills maybe connects with people in Avondale, or is that all part of the same yeah, thing? It's all, I would say it's both. Yeah. So the work we do, we hope to humanize uh, folks from different parts of the city. So whether or not you live in Walnut Hills or whether or not you live in Mason or whether or not you live in Price Hill, like any of these places, we realize that people are having different experiences, even though we all call the same city home. And so we want those folks to know, like, this is what a person from Walnut Hills is like, and maybe you're just like that person. You just thought, Oh, Walnut Hills has this connotation or that connotation or over the Rhine has this connotation or that connotation. So we want to do that, but we also want to work in neighborhoods directly to connect those neighbors that maybe wouldn't have had a chance to actually get to know each other. Maybe they see each other at the grocery store or the gas station regularly, but they don't actually know the stories that are underneath the hi, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. Right. Moving on with their day. It is interesting to me how tribal we are. Oh yeah, Cincinnati's the fifth most segregated yeah. city in the country. Uh, I'm not yeah, sure that how was they one came of the that, that was one of the stats that inspired us to do this. Yeah, and I hear this all the time. There's so much fear being peddled out there, especially Absolutely. in the media. Yeah, and people are afraid to go downtown who are who never spend time downtown, or maybe yeah. haven't seen downtown in years, or they're afraid <laughs> to go to over the. You know, remember over the Rhine was fighting that, and heaven forbid if there's a shooting in over the Rhine. It just reinforces that, I hate to call it ignorance because it has a nasty connotation. I don't mean it that way, but I'm talking about a lack of understanding where if you spent time down here and realized what it's really like here and connected with the people here, you might feel differently and be less afraid. Yeah, I mean, so many places in our city, so many neighborhoods of our city were getting branded by negative news stories, of course. They were also getting branded by whatever new bar or new new brewery was going into that place. And uh, we really felt like it was important to balance that, you know, those news stories are, they're not making them up. They happen. They happen. They happen. Certainly. 
Um, but if you if you if that's all you see, you can't really blame a person for feeling like, well, that must be what the neighborhood is. Uh, my family, for example, I grew up in Mason and my family had no idea why I would want to live in Walnut Hills. Uh, just didn't make sense. I, 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 I had the ability to live outside the city. And why would you choose to live there? Uh, after we worked in Walnut Hills, we did the project first in Walnut Hills, our street stories project, uh, uh, which we can talk about. But after we did that project in Walnut Hills, my family, my parents came down and saw Walnut Hills and they fell in love with the neighborhood. Uh, they met the individuals. They met, formed some really great relationships with people who live down there. And now they're big supporters and big defenders of the neighborhood. And they really have no reason to be. They don't vote in the city limits of Cincinnati. Uh, they come down for things like baseball games and things like that. But that's really their only, only interaction with the city prior to this. Now, my mom is constantly asking how she can come and volunteer and help in these communities. And how can I come cook breakfast for the folks down there and things like that. And so it really is just a matter of the human experience is more similar than it is different. We all have the same wants, needs, desires when it really boils down to it. And if we can show that, if we can share those stories, it may not, I mean, if I share a story with you about how my dad took me fishing, it may not seem like that's getting us any further to the hard conversations we need to have as a society, but it is now we empathize with one another and i don't just see you as a statistic or a bad news story or, or whatever it is now that we share empathy i'm willing to listen absolutely more. Yeah. absolutely so how does this play out since you story man uh so we've been <coughs> trying to just continue to dig deeper and figure that out ourselves as we do it we started as just a live event real folks get on stage and share real stories from their life on a stage like at a bar yeah like, yeah, like at a bar a theater anywhere really? um so we that was where we started three years ago. We just had a, a live event where we had four storytellers in the basement of Motor Pub and over the Rhine. Uh, we had no idea where we were going to go with it. We found out like, okay, our city's segregated. People aren't connecting. How do we get them to connect? Let's share stories together. And we just did what we could. And the first thing we could do was just ask people to come share a story. And, and it could be a story about anything. Basically, we try to get people to, to not share. So if they're a politician or a business owner or something, right. we don't necessarily want to hear their story that how they got to that position in life. Their origin story, yeah. as we usually call it. Yeah, we um, want to hear like stories that everybody can relate to more often than not. Uh, so if we have a politician come on, we will we actually have a list of like 60 story prompts that we'll send to potential storytellers that are story prompts like, tell me a story about a time your dad took you fishing. Tell me a story about a time you disappointed your parents. Tell me a story about your first job. Like uh, stories that almost anybody would have. Mm -hmm. um, and we we want people to share those stories because then those will make those human connections. But if, uh, you know, you have a politician share how they became a politician, I can't relate to that personally. I might be able to empathize a little bit with like, oh, that sounds hard, but I can't relate to that in the same way. Like, oh, he is a lot like me or she is a lot like me in this or that. Uh, and so that's what we always are pushing people toward at our live events is to share just human stories. Plus, uh, almost any other media outlet will probably ask you that story. Yeah. So if you own a business, they're going to ask you how you started the business. And so there's going to be an outlet. We try to encourage people like you'll find an outlet for that story. Uh, right. What we can provide for you in the community is a chance to share a story that no one else is ever going to really uh, see. No, no one else is going to find interesting on the surface until they hear it. We're going to take a very quick break right here. But when we come back, we're going to talk more with Sean and Chris about Cincy Stories how they're growing, and how they could be coming to a neighborhood near you. Also, what impact has social media had on the way people connect in their own backyards? And what is the end goal here? More from Sean Braley and Chris Ashwell from Cincy Stories as Person of Interest continues next. We'll be back with more Person of Interest in a moment. And now... 
Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas continues. Our neighborhoods in Cincinnati are so much more than just the story you see on the news or the new trendy bar that maybe just opened up around the corner. Our communities are a fabric of people, families, history, diversity, stories. We've learned that when we share stories, we create empathy. And when we create empathy, we're more willing to listen to each other, which is especially important in an era where we seem to be more tribal than we've ever been and certainly more divided. Well, the two men we've been talking with here today, Sean Braley and Chris Ashwell, are trying to change that through their organization, Cincy Stories, which they co-founded. And we're about to find out what they've learned about people in Cincinnati through Cincy Stories. Is there a common denominator? Why is this so important to our city? And the impact social media has had on the way people connect in their own backyards. So where did you, what were you doing before you did this? Like, what's your... Back, what was your job background before mm-hmm. this, and what was your educational background? Is this something you studied? Sort of. I mean, we both were college dropouts, so I had studied English. Chris uh, studied video journalism, photojournalism. Yeah. So we both had a sort of storytelling background, but we had dropped out of college. We were both working at Fireside Pizza in Walnut Hills. Oh, wow. And we met there, uh, and we started just waxing poetically about storytelling and what it could do. And that's how we came up with the idea to start Cincy Stories in the first place. So it's not you would not call it a charity. It's a nonprofit. Five hundred one c three. It's a five hundred one. Yeah, okay. it's a it's a nonprofit according to the IRS. So that way people can give to us foundations. Um, a lot of organizations. Um, if you're not official five hundred one c three, it's very hard to get grants, um, because those grants can't be considered tax deductible. And so big organizations, the big givers of the city and of the country, can't give to you unless you are five hundred one c three. So. That was a big step for us uh, that we did a couple years ago to, to officially make it a nonprofit. Also, individuals now can give to us, and it's tax deductible as well. So it's yeah. Do you have jobs outside of this, or is this the job that you're fully committed to? This is it. Yeah, we yeah. we quit our jobs. So I also used to be a pastor, um, and I wanted to build community uh, through doing that. And I just realized that religion is such a barrier for people, and I wanted to be able to connect people uh, without that barrier even. And that was one of the reasons why I left that. I wasn't making a lot of money doing that either, but it was. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just at the cusp of starting. I, I, I wanted to start, I wanted to find ways to make documentary film a utility uh, for people to be able to use. And so I was looking for ways of, of being able to share maybe stories for families, individuals. Uh, if you have a loved one, you want to capture their story. Um, I was working on that. And so that's when we met, we both had those kind of individual ideas and we we're like, wait, we can combine these and turn this into something really special. And so now we, we are raising funds and we're, still uh, growing our organization, but we are doing this full time. So you've gone from the basement of motor pub. <laughs> yeah. And you have a, what, what do you call it? I guess a gallery. Oh, uh, we mm-hmm. do. We do. We call them story galleries story gallery. around the city. That was all born out of a project as we, we were doing that uh, regular event at motor and we wanted to be able to go into neighborhoods and really see neighbors connect. Cause when you're doing a citywide event, People are coming from all over the city, but they might not live near each other. So they're connecting maybe at that event, but they're not really, there's still a, a deeper chance we wanted to get at with getting to know, getting people to know each other. So we were getting a great turnout, you yeah. know, two, 300 people sometimes to our live shows. I mean, usually, averagely uh, 200 people plus, but that's still only two or 300 people out of a city of millions. Uh, so we knew that there was a way that we could go deeper. So if I were to walk into the story gallery, say it in Walnut Hills, what would I see? So the way that it started, so we had started making these short documentaries. So my background in, in 
video journalism. We started making some short documentaries just about residents, just people we thought were really interesting. We kind of formed all of those different pieces that we had, the media piece and the live storytelling, into one project that we 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 called Sensi or we called Street Stories rather. And Street Stories has kind of two main parts to it. It has this digital media project. We do we go to a neighborhood. Uh, the first one was Walnut Hills. We've also worked in all three Price Hills. Uh, we capture stories from the from from residents. We do ten video documentaries and ten audio radio style documentaries, and then we rent a storefront, and uh, that's how we really connect. We we really consider it an embedded journalism uh, project. So we open up a gallery where we show some of the stories that we've collected at the beginning, uh, some of the live shows from residents from that community. It's all stories from that community, and we really call it like a living room for the neighborhood. So. It's a place you can cool off, get a free cup of coffee, free water, free food on days that we have free food and TV set up to where you can watch stories from your neighbors. Or if you're not from that community, watch stories from from that community. And then that's how we really source the stories and how we really meet folks. And that's how we really kind of dig really deep into the communities. Let's talk about social media for a second. I mean, to me, you know, you could tell stories through social media. People sort of do it every day. Like this is where I went for pizza today. Mm -hmm. This is who I hung out with last Mm -hmm. night. But I also feel, and we've talked about this in the past too, about how social media tends to isolate us at the same time mm. more than we ever have before. Do you think social media has turned out to be a good thing or a bad thing for us? What I think that it does personally is that it leaves the, um, you're, you're erasing that relationship building before you start to, to offend people basically with your political points of view and things like that. You're, <clears throat> you're negating what it takes to look someone in the eye to say something to them. And uh, I think that's a negative step. It's too easy to share, share a meme that has a one line that you agree with and a picture of somebody that you disagree with than actually having a nuanced stance or opinion on something. It's right. interesting to me how few people know their social media friends. Yeah. yeah. You know, we have our friends and family that we're connected with. But it's not just people that work in the media that have a lot of friends that are probably friends of friends of friends or someone who popped right. up on a, someone you may. And you're right. there You haven't gone through that relationship building process yet mm. before allowing this person to be a voyeur into your life and may not understand the origin of your point or where you're coming from when you say something that may be considered provocative. Yeah. Right. And it's leaving very room with, without it. You know, if, if you're in a room and you're having that conversation, rebutting an opinion is normal because you, you're having a conversation, but it's like really hard to rebut an opinion online without it becoming kind of standoffish or becoming a argument. Yeah. But professionally, for Cincy Stories, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for social media. Um, it's an amazing tool for us to be able to spread the message that we are spreading and for us to be able to share our videos and share our content and let people know about our events. So on that level, it's hard to argue with the, with the results. Has there been anything that surprised you? You know, when you, when you, because you've heard probably more stories than anybody, <laughs> is there a common denominator? Is there I, something that you've learned that surprised you in this? I think it was surprising for us when we first started in Walnut Hills. We opened our story gallery there and we started to see the neighborhood respond to these two middle-class white guys that they didn't know, even though we both lived in the neighborhood at the time too. So we were both residents of that neighborhood, but they didn't know us. And you had all these folks that just wouldn't even darken the door of the place. We actually set up chairs outside and just started waving to people and talking to people. 
I, we would tell people, they'd be like, what are you doing in there? And we'd tell them we're just trying to get stories from individuals in the neighborhood. And people would get mad at us. And they thought that we were up to something. Um, they were naturally serious. suspicious of Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that interesting? And it was surprising because we, we couldn't have conceived of having that much distrust for people because we don't have the background that would lead us to that level of distrust. And how did you overcome that? Food. <laughs> yeah. Was the way we got him through the door at first. Um, and then not having an agenda, you know, I mean, like I think so many organizations out there and so many people who genuinely want to do good, you know, if you're a church, I, I know you want to do good, but you probably have kind of, uh, 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 that motive of wanting more, more seats in the pews or, if you're a business, you know, you want more, more, uh, uh, sales, things like that. But when we were able to convince people that we like, seriously, all we're doing is looking to capture stories from your life. Uh, and in turn, letting them know that their voices matter to the community. When people are disenfranchised, uh, that's one like, it's such a, it's such a huge thing to tell somebody like your story is important to this community. Like, yes, the business owner, the, you know, religious leader, the, the uh, politician, they're important, but your story is more important to us, actually. Like, we're not really going out there and seeking those stories through our Street Stories project. You're, you are the person that we want to talk to. And that really, really does something. It really activates people in a way that definitely surprised. That would be the biggest surprise yeah. to me. Quick story about that. When we were in Walnut Hills, uh, we had a gentleman named Max. And Max came in. Max was one of the folks who came in just for the food. And we had a rule that if you came in and got food, you just couldn't walk out the door with it. Um, we wanted you to at least hang out in the space for a moment. And uh, he. You don't have to tell a story, but you got to at least. You got to at least yeah. say in <laughs> yeah. here with the food. Yeah. Uh, and so he sat in there and we have a, a we call it uh, kind of internally. We call it grandma's living room. But we just get a bunch of old furniture and it's just a lounge area. And we have those story starters on the on the uh, the table. And one of the story starters is tell me a time about a story you did some or you were accused of something you didn't do. And everyone was telling very trivial stories. And I got around to Max and he hadn't said a word, not 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 just didn't tell a story. He hadn't really said anything to us. And he said, uh, do you mind if I tell a story? And we were like, yeah, sure. Go for it. He said, I was in jail for almost a year for a murder I didn't commit. Oh, wow. And it was like, whoa, yeah, can we hear more about that story? <laughs> uh, you know, like that's not the end of the story, right? right. And, and he admits he wasn't up to good things on the night of. He admits he had a gun, but he, I never fired, my gun never fired a shot. And forensics eventually proved that and he was let out of jail. He wasn't the person who fired the shot. Mm. Um, but he admits that he was very, very close to being in jail for the rest of his life. Wow. And so he shares that story with us. He shared it in our, we have a story booth at all of our story galleries where people can go in and an automated process will let you share a story to a camera. And uh, he shared the story. Um, Max, Max is the reason that we now have a restriction on time limit for the story. I was just going to yeah, ask it you was if like there's way a too time long. limit. Okay. Yeah, his was like, his was like in two, we had to like separate in two parts to put it on the TV. It was so long. Uh, but he was very excited to share that story. And it was something that he felt like the community, that he was ashamed to share with the community. You know, like it wasn't something he was proud to share with the community at first. Uh, that really acted. He he was really our our kind of floodgate to a whole segment of the population that started coming into our story gallery that didn't trust us before. And then once he said, like, no, these guys are on the level. They really just want to hear stories from your life. Then we we got it a, a couple weeks later. Uh, Max, this was a really huge aha moment for us. Max came back into the story gallery, and he had been coming in and hanging out with us from time to time. But he came back in one day and he said. Hey, do you guys have any connections to schools? Cause I really want to go and share my story to kids. 
because when I was a kid going to Frederick Douglass Elementary, people would come talk to us, but they didn't look like my dad, my uncles, my brother. I look like them. You know, Max has the cornrows, the face tattoos. He's lived on the street. And uh, he's like, I look like those people in their lives. I Maybe I can warn them about the path that they're going down. And that was completely organic. That was him. And we connected him. And, you know, but he felt like he was now important to the community. And he felt like the community was partly his now. And that he wanted to help it. That and was since a big these stories sort of empowered him to Absolutely. feel like people would actually listen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so that really is kind of the end game to all of this, isn't it? Like, yes, people share yeah. their stories, no matter how random they may appear on the surface, whether it's the story you told about going fishing with your dad or about your first job or whatever the topic mm-hmm. is, you create an empathy. And then I guess, I don't know, what is the, the larger end game to this? I mean, yeah, we'd love to just see more of more maxes happen, more people connecting. Uh, more people empowered, but also uh, stories where people from different political spectrums, different races, different you know ethnicities that Income maybe level. thought they couldn't trust that person or this person come to know each other and get to know each other. Uh, we had a, a woman who came to a bunch of our events. She's African American. She grew up in College Hill, and she came to one of she came to a lot of our events, but she came particularly to one at this point where she said, "I'm coming to see my friend." who was also an African-American guy. She was like, I, I'm coming to see him because I know him and I'm excited to hear what he has to share. And she said at the end of the night, she was like, uh, I loved my friend's story, but the one that I connected with the most was from Corey Ward from Tom and Chi. who's this like white kind of nerdy guy from Mason who told a story about starting a comic book club when he was a teenager. Uh, so not something that you would typically think like, Oh yeah, this uh, woman, this African American woman from College Hill, is going to connect to and be like, "Oh yeah, that's the story that I was most excited to hear from this night," and yeah, that's who she related to the most. And the more that we hear those kinds of stories, the more that I think I'm excited to see how far storytelling can take our city and how we can work to end things like segregation in our city where people don't know each other. Now, speaking of stories, you won an Emmy, and there's a story behind that. It was in Walnut Hills. And uh, we captured a story from a gentleman named George Smith. Now, George Smith, we had both seen a lot. He uh, sells DVDs. He sells bootleg DVDs. <laughs> and it was brilliant because he set up right outside uh, of a red box in front of Kroger. So when people go up to rent movies, he'd be like, or oh, I could sell you one for, for $2. <laughs> but um, someone told us, they said, you should get a story from George. You know, he used to play baseball professionally. We were like, no way. That's really interesting. And so we go in and talk to him. We find out that George played baseball for the New York Mets minor league team met all kinds of famous players, played alongside people who went on to play in the pros and were very successful. The day he got a phone call that he was going to get a chance to go and try out for the majors, he uh, went out and, and drank a little too much, was in a car accident, mm, nice. and he's been in a wheelchair ever since. Oh, wow. So, so the day that he was going to get a, you know, had that huge phone call, it destroyed his career. And so it's been 30 years since that happened, and so he shared this story with us, and that's also a story that he was very ashamed of. That's one of those examples of the stories in the community that he thought, like, this was my fault. I lost everything because of my actions. And he didn't really love sharing that story with the community. Um, after we shared it and after we talked to him, he said, you know, I think that I was really meant to play baseball, not to be a famous player like I thought, but so that I could teach kids. Because when I was growing up in Walnut Hills, what kept me off the street was the pride in my uniform. But there hasn't been any Little League baseball in, in Walnut Hills in 30 years. So because of the lack of businesses there to support it. Well, that's changing. There's all kinds of new businesses in it. So we used our ability to connect some folks 
And now there's an, not just one team being started. There's a, a league being formed. So there's, there's several teams that are going to have a Walnut Hills Cup, and Georgia's going to head this up. And so that's a really great example of how we try to make stories actionable, even if it's just a connection or something like starting a whole little league. Um, but we captured George's story and uh, we submitted it for an Emmy. And uh, I think it goes to show, you know, we did that with a super low budget. We were up against major market, uh, you know, NBC, ABC affi- affiliates. Yeah, yeah. I have much, much more resources than us. But it, it shows that when you have a really good story, that's what really, you know, that's, that's what, matters. what matters most. Yeah. 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 So if somebody wants to go listen to some stories, share their story, or support Cincy Stories, where should they start? Go on our website, cincystories.org, and there's a submit a story button right there on the front page. And it's Cincy with a Y, right? Cincy with a Y. Cincystories.org. Yep. And uh, submit a story right there on the front page, which people often miss, and they'll end up emailing us saying, how do I submit a story? So we point them back to that. Uh, you can donate. There's a donate button right on top too. So you can do that if you want to donate or you can volunteer. So if you click on the donate page, there's also ways to volunteer listed on there as well. And events coming up in the yeah. near future. We, all I don't that know stuff when, is posted on the website. Yeah. And Facebook, Facebook is obviously a great Facebook, Instagram for both of us uh, yeah. or for both for social media. They all, we're always posting what we're kind of up to and where we're at. We are opening a, our Avondale story gallery, June 22nd. Where's that going to be? That'll be at 3494 Reading road, the corner of Rockdale and Reading. And it'll be open Wednesday through Saturday, 11 to seven through October. So these story galleries are kind of pop-ups. So the Walnut Hills one, the price Hill one, we no longer have open just for funding purposes. We can't keep all of them open at the same time. Uh, So this one will run from June to October. And uh, the gallery opening is six to 10 PM on June 22nd. And then after that point, it'll be open Wednesday through Saturday, 11 to 7 through October. Yeah. I wish you guys the best. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Love what you're doing for the city. What a unique, cool idea. CincyStories.org. Cincy with a Y. CincyStories.org. Chris Ashwell and Sean Braley, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you for all you do for the community, really. Appreciate that. And that wraps up this edition of Person of Interest. I'm Jeff Thomas. Person of Interest is produced by Natalie Jones. And if you found these guys as interesting as we did... Shoot us an email to POI, which stands for Person of Interest, POI at WKRQ.com. We always welcome your thoughts, and feel free to make a suggestion for a future Person of Interest. Also, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes if you get a second. Until next time, for Person of Interest, I'm Jeff Thomas. Thanks for listening. These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas.